0: America is many things to many people. Many things to many people. To mother and her family, it's church on Sunday morning.
1: It's all races, creeds, and religions. Church on Sunday morning.
0: Greetings folks and welcome to the next installment of White Nation Under God where we explore unpack define redefine this concept of white Christian nationalism what it means for you and what we should do about it and on that last question I am so pleased to have an expert in the topic Amanda Tyler welcome to White Nation Under God
1: Oh thanks so much for having me Jamar for this important conversation
0: Absolutely. Um, We start these episodes the same way because I believe having different definitions uh, highlights different aspects and it gives us a more fully orbed idea of what this concept of Christian nationalism is. So in your words, in your understanding, how would you define and describe Christian nationalism?
1: Well, I'm so glad we start here because everyone does have slightly different definitions, and that's because we all have different perspectives and come to this work in different ways. My definition for Christian nationalism is a political ideology and a cultural framework that tries to merge our identities as Americans and Christians. In other words, Christian nationalism suggests that to be a true American, one has to be Christian. And really, one has to be a white Christian that espouses certain political views, uh, claiming them from a Christian perspective. And um, this definition, this understanding of of Christian nationalism, is directly at odds, I believe, with the with American history, with American Constitution, and uh, conflicts with our callings
0: as Christians. I appreciate that definition and. I actually think that this aspect of the conversation gets a little bit into the topic and the focus of this episode, which is what can people do about Christian nationalism? And one of the things I believe is repetition and defining and defining over and over again is helpful. Um, What do you think about that idea about this um, attempt to, to combat this ideology by continually defining it, I mean, some people might say, you know, this this is going to fall on deaf ears if you say it too much. How would you respond?
1: I think it's always important for us to start with definitions. One, so that we're on a the same level playing field and having the conversation, that we have a shared vocabulary, that we know what we're talking about. Um, two, I, I don't claim to have a perfect definition of Christian nationalism, and so I it's not... Um, I think that that can open the opportunity for conversation or for questioning or what exactly mm. do you mean by that? So I think it, it opens the, the dialogue and an ability to have a back and forth. I also, when, we, when we're in the larger culture and there's pushback against calling out Christian nationalism... I think it's important to have a pretty exact definition of what it is and what it's not, um, because that can quickly get us off track um, by those who are detracting by saying, for instance, oh, well, you're just anti-Christian or, oh, you don't, you just don't want Christians to have a place in the public square. And um, that's not at all the case. But if we can have you know, as an exact definition of Christian nationalism, what we're talking about is possible. I think that helps answer some of those critiques that are off base.
0: That's so critical, and and you talk about having the shared language, shared vocabulary, and it, 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 you know, we can we can make parallels, like in conversations about racism, right? If people say uh, racism, then you might mean one thing, I might mean another. It's something that I'm constantly trying to uh, define the term so that at least we can have a conversation. Otherwise, we're speaking sort of like culturally different languages. So I do appreciate that perspective. Now, why this definition? I mean, you can define it a lot of different ways. What do you think is helpful about this definition that you've put forward of Christian nationalism?
1: Yeah, well, I'll break it down a little. And I think the different parts also help show what it's not. So at the outset, uh, Christian nationalism is a political ideology and a cultural framework. OK, what do I mean by that? A political ideology, a way of thinking about politics that we bring to our shared political life, a cultural framework, a collection of narrative myths, value statements. Uh, systems, symbols, right? All of this that kind of goes together that creates an identity in some ways. Um, The the Christian part of Christian nationalism is really much less about religion, I believe, than it is about this ethno-national identity that gets baked into that loaded word of Christian at the front of Christian nationalism. Um, The other place to that helps to have definitions is for nationalism itself, right? It's Christian nationalism because some responses or pushback I get is, you know, well, what's wrong with being a patriot to which I say nothing, (laughs) you know, but let's make sure that we have, again, a shared understanding about what those terms mean. Patriotism is a love of country Nationalism is an allegiance to country that demands allegiance over everything else, including Mm -hmm. our allegiance um, to God or to Jesus or to whatever religious uh, value system that we have. So um, I think when we can really put some specificity to those terms, it helps in having a more productive conversation. You know, so the rest of the definition, a political ideology and cultural framework that merges our identities as Americans and Christians, that leads us to have a good conversation, I think, to just say, you know, that's not the same thing. To be an American is not to be a Christian, that our citizenship, if you will, in those two different um, identities come from different places um, and don't depend on each other, that one doesn't have to be an American to be a Christian, one doesn't have to be Christian to be an American. Um, and so to start to try to see some, some distance between those um, two identities, I think is really vital in having a productive conversation about Christian nationalism
0: incredibly helpful. Now, we've we've jumped right in here to the conversation of Christian nationalism and defining it and everything. But I want folks to understand like a lot of us in this work of fighting this ideology, it's it's very personal. Um so if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about your religious journey and and sort of what led you into this work of fighting against Christian nationalism among your many other Uh, projects with the BJC.
1: Yeah. And um, I I think it's a really important question. Also great for having good productive conversations is to see where we're coming from. What are our experiences that brought us to this work? So I am Christian. I am a Baptist Christian. Uh, I... Um, originally from Texas. Uh, So I grew up in churches that used to be Southern Baptist. (laughs) Um, So a church, you know, white churches that had been associated with the Southern Baptist Convention and then no longer were um, when the Southern Baptist Convention became more fundamentalist in their outlook. Um, I in growing up in Baptist churches, I heard a lot about religious freedom uh, as a Baptist distinctive, as a contribution that Baptists made to um you know, to, to theology, to the world, but also in some ways to American democracy, um, because it were Baptist dissenters who uh, were, were some of the loudest voices for religious freedom at the founding of the country. Um, People like, well, in the, in the, in the pre-founding era, people like Roger Williams, but then also in the founding era, people like John Leland, who uh, led petitions in Virginia for um, the Virginia Bill protecting religious freedom, and so having this background and having pride in this religious advocacy for religious freedom helped lead me to work at Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty, the organization that I lead now, uh, BJC's and advocacy organization based in Washington, D.C. We're in our 86th year of um, working for religious freedom for all people. And uh, I actually started at BJC as a college student and an intern um, and was a legal assistant before I left to go to law school, work as a lawyer, work for a member of Congress. And then I came back to lead the organization in 2017. And part of my story about What happened between when I left BJC and came back is I fell in love and got married to someone who is Jewish. Um, mm. and so my perspective about religious freedom was impacted by having now an interfaith family and understanding more what an, it would be an experience to be Jewish in America, not my personal experience, but my family's experience. Sure. Um, and then also having my son and raising my son in an interfaith, um, family. So, um, I, you know, I think that that, uh, gave me an even more full appreciation for the need for religious freedom in a very personal way. Um, And it was in leading Baptist Joint Committee um, that when I came back to lead that we really saw more and more instances of Christian nationalism in the culture and tragically more and more violent and deadly Mm -hmm. instances of Christian nationalism uh, that led the... um, you know, led me as I'm leading the organization to really put much more emphasis into developing this grassroots advocacy campaign for Christians who were looking to combat Christian nationalism.
0: Thank you for that background. Even even I'm learning more about you with that. Um, and there's two things, I, a, a thanks and, you know, just giving you some flowers. One, on, on, you know, my thank you to you, you're one of the first people who, um sort of included my voice in this conversation Mm -hmm. about Christian nationalism. And I don't know how that (laughs) that happened. I don't know, I mean, you reached out and so I don't know how um, I got on your radar, but I'm very, very grateful that, uh, you know, you saw my work as contributing to this because it wasn't necessarily under the banner of, you know, using that, that framework of, of white Christian nationalism that I approach this work, I approach it as a historian. Um, but, but you saw, you know, the relevance of that kind of work to this topic. So thank you for that. And it's led to some tremendous collaborations um, that I've enjoyed. And then also giving you your flowers, you're, you and the BJC and your team there have been at the forefront of this really for a while. And what we're going to dive into next is, you know, Christians Against Christian Nationalism and and everything you've mind-blowingly, helpfully provided us. But to say that, you know, the work that you're doing is incredibly relevant and empathetic. There's a great deal of humanity in what you bring. And I think in terms of your leadership and your voice, and you're doing it, In a public way. I mean, you've been on on all the shows and all the outlets and I think representing uh, faith and religious liberty in a much more uh, biblically faithful and also approachable way than we're seeing (laughs) from white Christian nationalists. So I just, you know, I appreciate just your being and what you're doing in all of this.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And yes, I, um, we first connected in 2019 when we were working on, when I was, BJC was producing a podcast series on the dangers of Christian nationalism. And I read your book, The Color of Compromise. And I, you know, well, I, I'm sure we'll talk some more about how Christian nationalism relies so heavily on this false history of this myth of a Christian nation something that never existed um and so understanding history is so key to dismantling Christian nationalism um and so I you know when I read your book I immediately thought oh I want to have um I want to have Jamar on this podcast to, to talk about white Christian nationalism and, and dismantling these myths. Um, so so that's kind of how it all oh, came together. And yes, really cool. we've had so many great uh, collaborations since then.
0: Well, I'm so eager to, to, to point folks now, um, even more folks to your work. But tell me, walking back a little bit, now it's on everybody's mind. It's in the media, you know, it, it, still not enough, but way more than it was. But, but you, like you said, you're doing this podcast series back in 2019. And, and, and even before that, you were paying attention as the BJC to Christian nationalism. How did it get on your radar? And especially, how did it get on your radar before most folks even had that ter- terminology in their vocabulary?
1: Yeah. Well, our work at BJC led us to be positioned to notice what was going on and to help put language to it. Um, so, you know, our, our mission at BJC is to advocate for everyone's religious freedom. And we believe that everyone's religious freedom in our American context is best protected by keeping the institutions of religion and government separate. Mm. And, um, for decades we've been beating back this Christian nation myth, And I think we can point specifically to the 1980s when David Barton, um, This pseudo historian um, started putting out his tracks um, about America as a Christian nation. And it was back in the 1980s that my predecessors were putting out myth busting documents about um, in response um, directly Mm. to David Barton. So we had literal files <laughs> you know it's, all, it's old enough you know this is pre computer we had literal files um that were at the ready to to kind of beat back this recurring mythology but something new and different and dangerous was happening um, in the Trump era where these ideas were spreading more quickly through social media. They were also spreading alongside misinformation. Um, and in, we had had a number of deadly attacks um, by violent extremists who were using Christian nationalism to kill in Jesus's name. And they're mm-hmm. In their warped sense of reality. And so we felt an urgent need at that point to help put some language to what we were seeing. Um, You know, for many years before this time, we had also had this sense that people were misappropriating the words religious freedom to mean something that it doesn't mean, um, to to mean really religious privilege, um, or for their own religious views to be privileged by the government over other people, to be used to discriminate, discriminate against other people. And I, with time, have come to see that often when we see religious freedom used in those ways, it's really Christian nationalism. So we needed a language to be able to understand what we were seeing. And um, so this Christian nationalism, I mean, we weren't the first ones to use this term. It was around, but we we started, we thought it was necessary to name it, and define it as we did earlier in, in this conversation today, um, just so that people could start to notice it and start to understand how this ideology was touching all all kinds of, of our society. So We first at BJC brought together an interfaith table to say, what do we do about Christian nationalism? That's often how we work as an interfaith coalition. Um, And our interfaith partners, our Jewish and Muslim and Sikh partners, they said to us, wow, we agree. This is an urgent problem. And we think you Christians are the ones that really need to take the leading role here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you know, also, one, we think it's going to be more effective um, because you can more clearly explain how this is not anti Christian to be fighting Christian nationalism. In fact, it's the opposite. Um, but two, and this was really um, eye opening to me, um, they told us we don't feel safe in calling out Christian nationalism wow. right now.
0: Wow.
1: And so we took that to heart, and that's when we f- came up with the title. Christians against Christian nationalism to be really clear about what um, the ideology we were fighting was, clear about who we were. And then the central statement of Christians against Christian nationalism, that tells you what we're for. And we're for religious freedom for all. And we think a recommitment to those values and and foundational principles is what we need to combat Christian nationalism.
0: Well, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. If somebody says to you, you know, why should we be concerned about religious liberty for all, for non-Christians, for, for people practicing different religions or even no religion at all. Why would you say that's important for Christians to advocate for religious liberty?
1: Yeah. Well, I guess starting, starting very, um, personally and theologically, um, I can, I come at this as, as a Baptist Christian and having a real commitment to soul freedom, this idea that every individual person, um, needs to have, uh, an opportunity to be in relationship with God, and that God created us as free to, free beings, free to say yes to God and free to say no to God. Um, that an authentic faith and and is only authentic if we have the opportunity to say no. That God doesn't want forced believers or forced belief, um, and so that freedom to To choose not to be religious is just as important as the freedom to be religious, um, and that the government has no part in that, in that decision, in that relationship, in that choice um, to have a relationship with God. Uh, so, you know, just for my own religious freedom, it's important um, to protect these principles. But then also thinking of Jesus's command to love our neighbors as ourselves. In the religious freedom context, that means standing up for the religious freedom of my neighbor as much as I stand up for my own religious freedom. And that's a religious freedom to practice any religion and to choose not to practice religion. I think that the experience of our agnostic and atheistic and humanistic, you know, neighbors, humanist neighbors, those that is often left out of the conversation about religious freedom. And it's just as important for us to think about religious freedom for the non-religious as it is for the religious of all faiths.
0: It seems like the real conflict when we're talking about religious freedom, religious liberty is when ethics clash. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we're talking about specific matters, whether that be, um, Abortion, the death penalty, um, sexuality—things of that nature. You you bring your view in that might be informed by religion. I bring my view in that might be informed by religion. Well, how do we navigate that in a society that is increasingly pluralistic and whose ethics, quote unquote, win when, when when it comes to policy and law? How do we navigate that when it comes into conflict?
1: Yeah, well, I, I think one big misunderstanding about religious freedom right now is this false idea that religious freedom means that you have a right for the government's laws to reflect your ethics or to reflect your religious views or to reflect your theology. Um, that That's not religious freedom. We live in a secular society. It's important that our government laws protect and represent everyone, regardless of religious belief. And so we do have to work out when our when the um, dictates of our religion, particularly the dictates of our religion to exercise religion in a certain way, when those come into conflict with the laws of the country, then we have to work out those those more thorny issues of religious freedom. And that's a lot of the legal work that we do at BJC. And that is difficult, nuanced, complicated work. I'm not here to say that that is easy, but I think often We hear religious freedom used as if we have a right to have our government laws reflect our theology. And that's not religious freedom. That's actually theocracy. And that is a choice that we as a country chose not to take um, when we set up a system for religious freedom um, so many years ago.
0: Ooh, that's really helpful. I feel like that's just a big gap in our discipleship as Christians, I'll say. Um, like i don 't know where that fits into the curriculum, even you know whether in church life or schooling or whatever uh what religious liberty actually means in the context of this nation's history um in the context of other religions within this nation, all of those kinds of things, but I also think that's probably where your work comes in, and certainly the b j c s work comes in so let 's talk about that then um you mentioned before this whole initiative called Christians Against Christian. Nationalism. And I am thrilled to let more and more folks know about this because I often get this question from well meaning Christians about, well, what do we do? I'm like, there's a whole website, there's a whole suite of resources. So tell us a little bit about that project. We'll dive into some specifics.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we started Christians Against Christian Nationalism in July 2019. Again, first, just to give some language to the problem that we were seeing, to offer some understanding, some definitions, some tools for people to learn to recognize Christian nationalism as it was coming up in their communities and in their congregations, and maybe even in their own theologies. Um, So the centerpiece of Christians Against Christian Nationalism Dot org um, it's a website anyone can go all of these resources are free and um, public for access and sharing um, but the centerpiece is a statement of unifying principles uh, that people who can agree upon um, regardless of their theologies or their ideologies or their politics, even. Um, But these are foundational ideas of religious freedom for all. Um, And so the first thing people can do is read the statement. And if they agree with these unifying principles, again, it's not a statement of faith, because we as diverse Christians have all different kinds of faiths and theologies, but rather a statement of unifying principles, then they can add their name as a public signer of as a Christian against Christian nationalism. And I think that's really important that we, are willing to take a public stand against Christian nationalism. So that's step one. But then step two, we have a whole suite and library of resources for people who are wanting to learn more about Christian nationalism. We have the podcast series from 2019, um, on which you are uh, one of the 10 episodes, one of the 10 guests, Jamar. Um, And then we put out an accompanying discussion guide to go with the podcast series. So if you're in a small group class or um, um, Sunday school class that you can actually have a a, dis- a a discussion around the podcast series. We've done the same thing for um, some webinars. Again, one that you were on with um, Robbie Jones, Jamar. We did a we did a webinar for that on white Christian nationalism, along with a discussion guide. Um, We've done that a few different times. We have some one-page explainers on there that people can use. And we are continuing to add to this library of resources all the time. Um, And we also have now a grassroots network of nearly 30,000 Christians Against Christian Nationalism. That list is continuing to grow. We are now at the stage of really being able to Respond and work with people in local communities as they see Christian nationalism coming up. That we are working to provide more targeted resources to help them be advocates in their community, whether it's advocates um, in, within their churches. Um, because, you know, that's I think is an important part of what we're doing at, at Christians Against Christian Nationalism. We are not about pointing fingers outside of our communities. We think it's really important to start personally, both. For each individual person, for each individual church, to really investigate how has Christian nationalism impacted our understanding of Jesus? How has Christian nationalism impacted our practice of religion here in our church? What do you know, as you said earlier, what do we need to do in cleaning our own house before we can be? more authentic advocates out in the larger community and helping others understand the difference between Christian nationalism and Christianity and understand why we as Christians think it's so vital that we fight Christian nationalism right now.
0: So first of all, pause. Y'all, did you hear everything <laughs> that Amanda just listed? Like you do not have to reinvent the wheel. If you want to have these conversations, there are one pagers out there, just PDFs that you can email, download, distribute. There are discussion guides. There are conversations with experts from across the nation. Like it's all there and it's a growing library. So we are remiss if we do not utilize this incredible resource, cr- christiansagainstchristiannationalism.org. I want to get into a little bit of the implementation, but before we do, I'm always a big advocate of begin with the end in mind. And I wonder from your perspective, if Christians Against Christian Nationalism is wildly successful, wildly effective, what does that look like? What is the goal? What is the outcome um, if this works? Hmm.
1: Well, we see less and less Christian nationalism in our in, in our culture you know and I think it's really important for me to be reminded and to remind others that this is not a quick fix Christian nationalism is so baked in to our culture as racism is baked into our culture that it is going to be a long haul to dismantle it that doesn't mean that we don't do what we can in the time that we have to make a difference um, but we we also have to be committed to the long-haul project that this is. Um, and we're in an alarming place right now where we see people openly embracing Christian nationalism and a Christian nationalist label as something to aspire to. We have people running for office um, as Christian nationalists. And so I think that we will see progress when we see more and more people from all different perspectives coming out boldly against Christian nationalism and explaining why it's un-American and un-Christian to be promoting Christian nationalism. But I have to be straight with you. This is incremental work, you know, and I, I think it might be the kind of thing that we will only know many years down the road how successful we've been, but we are making inroads right now. And again, just naming the problem, and giving people resources to be able to have the conversation about it. And even in three years, I've seen tremendous growth in the understanding and conversation around Christian nationalism. We can't dismantle something until we face it. Um, and so that, that's what we're doing right now, until we name it, recognize it, have conversations about it. So I, I think we're on the road to progress, and I think it's a long road to get there
0: always a helpful perspective to say, um, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. <laughs> this thing's been a wa- around for a long, long time, and it's going to take us a long, long time to um, hopefully turn a corner, but we are seeing some progress, and we'll we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Let's take it down to, like, let's say, the local church level. If um, I'm a parishioner, I'm a member of the pews, I'm not necessarily in leadership at the church, but uh, I'm faithful. I'm concerned about my faith community. I'm concerned about our political landscape. How would I begin to utilize the resources of Christians Against Christian Nationalism at that local church level?
1: Well, you can go to ChristiansAgainstChristianNationalism.org and download any of these resources for free. And so we have a three-part curriculum. So this would be something you could do in three Sundays or take take each lesson and extend it out a little bit. Um, I, I do think that there are, depending on, I I think there's a lot of material here for a lot of conversation but take it to your Sunday school class or take it to the pastor and say oh what would you think about doing a study on this or invite someone um, from Christians against Christian nationalism an expert to invite us to come speak to your church you know about about what the dangers of Christian nationalism are i think just starting to have the conversation and 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 just I think some of what has allowed Christian nationalism to be around for so long to get so deeply entrenched is that we don't question some of the assumptions on which it's based some of the Christian nation mythology or some of this um understanding that to challenge uh to challenge Christian nationalism to challenge the presence of patriotic symbols in our house of worship in our place of worship to 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 ask, you know, why why are we having this God and country dinner? <laughs> why are we processing the American flag into the sanctuary? Mm. You know, these are I'm not saying this is these are easy conversations, but where can we see a merging of American patriotic symbols with religious symbols right in our houses of worship? you know what are we worshipping here um i i think that these are difficult but deep theological questions that i trust communities of faith to to wrestle with you know we're we we wrestle with scripture and we wrestle with god's call for us in the in the broader world this is what i think we're called to wrestle with right now and having um these conversations about what does it really mean to be a Christian and how have we tied that too closely to what we think it means to be an American? That That's a basic question that I have faith in, in church communities to be able to wrestle with, with the help of um, their communities, with their spiritual texts. I mean, that's our three-part curriculum is, is, is based on the Bible. (laughs) You know, we can we can use our biblical text to help inform our understanding of what Christian nationalism is and how it threatens the gospel. Um so so I trust our communities to have these kinds of conversations.
0: What you just said is incredibly implementable. (laughs) I can make up a word. Uh, Three Sundays, a three part curriculum that's already mapped out listen any church can set aside three Sundays um, whether that's you know a Bible study, whether that's part of a sermon series or even you know um, some other group or structure within the church to to walk through this and at least establish a baseline understanding going back to the beginning of our conversation having a shared language about this ideology, how it shows up, what it looks like and then that's gonna, that's going to help your own local congregation be aware and make sure that this doesn't creep in or that if it is there, you can sort of sift it out of what is wholesome and healthy about the faith. I think that is, I mean, that should be a balm to people who are looking for help with this. So again, incredibly appreciative, this three-part series that you can start with. Um, One of the questions I always get, is somebody's got a relative, a coworker, a friend who's already deep, deep into this. So one of the questions I want to ask you is, you know, how to communicate there. But before we get to that, I think you've made some really helpful um, distinctions where like adhering to Christian nationalism isn't a binary. It's not an on off switch or, or whatever it might be. Um, what's a good way to think about people? in this, right? So we can think about people who have adhered to this ideology, but maybe it's across the spectrum or there are different nuances that we need to highlight. We can't just lump people in one category or another. Um, Maybe just speak to that general, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's super important. Um, Our friend and colleague, Professor Sam Perry, has said um, that Christian nationalism is not a diagnosis. (laughs) You know, you're not, you're not, Oh, you're a Christian nationalist, right? Uh, it's it is an ideology that um, impacts us all, and so Professor Perry and his research partner Professor Whitehead have put together, you know, kind of this spectrum of Christian nationalism that's based on how much people embrace or reject the ideology. And I think it's a really helpful framework. And and their research shows that Americans are pretty evenly divided along the whole spectrum with the largest segment, 60% somewhere in the middle, either accommodating or resisting Christian nationalism, but not on either end of either being a full-on ambassador or totally rejecting it. And I think that that, um, I think that having as our goal, moving people down the spectrum is a helpful way to think about this. So you know, if you're accommodating this, how can we move to being more of a resistor? If you're resisting it, but still somewhat have questions, how can we fully reject Christian nationalism? And if you're a full-on ambassador of Christian nationalism, how can we help you see how you're sometimes literally waving the flag of Christian nationalism? is causing some other people to take violent action on behalf of that ideology. Um, I, so I think, you know, we have to think about it on the long on the long road and how do we move people down the scale. And I think in some ways it's very similar to anti-racism work in that way. Um, that this isn't an on off switch, it's something that we're continually struggling with and um, having, you know, relationships, personal conversations, experiences, education, all of this helps um, for us to dismantle the ideology. And it's all painstaking work because so much of it is relational. It really, it really is done, I think, because I think the, sometimes those are the most trusted um, sources of information. And, and that's where real transformation comes, is through those trusted relationships.
0: That is super helpful uh, that, you know, maybe the incremental change is moving them from the far, far right to a little bit less and a little bit less. And, and, and you know, that next step. And again, you know, recommending Perry and, and Whitehead's uh, book, Taking uh, America Back for God, is a great um, conceptual framework and understanding for this. But also it. When you're saying, you know, the majority, 60%, are somewhere in the middle, it reminds me of Dr. King talking about the white moderate, uh, saying that it's it's not necessarily the people on the extreme that are the most, are the biggest stumbling block. It's the people in the middle mm-hmm. who sort of, s- through action or inaction, allow this ideology to perpetuate, and what we need are people to, to actively work against it. Now, it might be incremental to get them there, but that big mushy middle is often um, as big or a bigger impediment than the people on the extreme. So I think that's a really helpful reminder there. You mentioned it's personal work. So back to that question. I know someone who is far on that spectrum, deep, deep into this, and probably in my experience, at least, they don't even know it because what you said before it's so widespread. It's so ubiquitous as to be normalized. So they might not even be aware that what they're believing is Christian national. They just think it's Christianity. How do I have a productive conversation with them that maybe not going to be a light bulb moment where they completely flip their attitudes, but how do I at least keep the conversation open and continuing? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, it's hard. So I would just like say from the beginning, (laughs) you know, taking the first step of of Wanting to have the conversation is a brave move um, to open ourselves up to vulnerability and to to that. And again, sometimes our unwillingness to be in those uncomfortable, vulnerable situations is what's gotten us into this problem, right? That it's easier just to stay silent and not challenge something than it is um, to to have the conversation. Two, I think humility. Is really important and productive in these conversations. So, is there a way to approach the conversation that takes on your own perspective? You know, I used to think that too, but then this helped me see this in a different way, whether that be uh, an experience, a relationship, um, learning something new about American history, maybe, (laughs) you know, Um, because I do think so much of this is, is all of the repetition of these false myths of our history that have gone unchallenged. So saying, oh, you know, I used to think that America was a Christian nation too, but then I learned that, you know, our founding fathers actually were influenced by religious people like Baptists who were concerned about... You know, the government controlling the state and they set up a system that would let religious freedom flourish. You know, just having some of that, you know, explaining your own learning or evolution on the topic, I think, is super helpful um, to productive conversations. And then, you know, thinking about what's going to touch them the most. And and I mentioned the violent expressions of Christian nationalism earlier. And I think that those of us who might disagree on some other expressions of Christian nationalism, can agree that we do not want people killed in the name of Christian nationalism and Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about explaining to people how this ideology has influenced violent action, um, I I believe that there might be some room for some change there, um, and we saw that a little in the wake of January sixth, in the immediate aftermath of January sixth. Right, we've seen how that has um, that memories are short and have changed with time. But this idea then of not being associated with the Christian nationalism that would try to overthrow the government, um, and so. Are there exam and and that's another resource, by the way. We have at Christians Against Christian Nationalism, which you contributed to, is is a is a big study, the most comprehensive to date of how Christian yeah. nationalism influenced the attack on the Capitol. But you know, are there? Um, and again, I don't think we want to focus exclusively on the violent manifestations of Christian nationalism, but I think explaining how that contributes can help move people who are deeply entrenched, but who are not themselves violent or would want to be associated with that kind of violence.
0: That's so helpful. And, and I know this is very personal for a lot of people. It gets to dinner table conversations, holiday get togethers, interactions with coworkers and neighbors. So it's really, I think, I think very helpful to say what, what, what you said. You know, I used to think that too. But then this happened, and now I think this, or, th- or I learned this, and now I think differently. Uh, I think that's profoundly, again, human and empathetic and real. So that's just another way. Now, we're talking about Christian nationalism. Of course, it's an ideology that that really has power as, as one of the central components, and particularly political power. Uh, as we record this, we're coming up on the 2022 midterms. Um, what is concerning you? about our political and electoral landscape right now? And is there anything that gives you hope or encouragement?
1: Hmm. There's a lot to be concerned about <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, I, I, I hate to, but it's reality. Um, and I think part of it is this massive um, spread of misinformation and distrust in the electoral system um, that has led to just the crumbling of... Uh, some basic building blocks of democracy that we know who wins an election is actually going to be accepted as the lawful winner of an election. Right. Right. And, and Christian nationalism has been used to further um, election lies and uh, this general mistrust of our electoral system. And that is deeply concerning to me, um, as is the the as are these politicians who are running on an explicitly Christian nationalist agenda, saying that they are running to take office, to put, quote unquote, Judeo-Christian values into our uh, into our laws. And um, we're seeing this by, you know, senatorial candidates, by um gubernatorial candidates, but also by a lot of candidates at the local level. Um, and so I, I think that this is what it's so, why it's so important to have a diverse coalition fighting back against Christian nationalism and explaining that this is un-American. Um, there was a, a poll that came out earlier this year that showed that a majority of Republicans who responded to this poll supported declaring the United States a Christian nation, even though in that same poll, a majority of republicans knew that was unconstitutional.
0: Oh my So
1: there so at least the respondents to this poll were willing to sacrifice the constitution in order to declare the united states a christian nation. Right. So we're we're on a an incredibly troubling trajectory. <laughs> so what's hopeful? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, one is that people are waking up to the problem of christian nationalism. If we can't name it, we can't fight it. And so as people, you know, people have been wondering. Well, you know, is this what? What about people claiming the name of Christian nationalism or or politicians like Marjorie Taylor Greene selling T shirts that say "I'm a proud Christian nationalist"? You know, um, it. You know, I I think it's. I I mean, I have a lot of reactions to that. I mean, one, I I I think that's a terrible direction for us to be headed in. On the other hand, at least you're being open about what you are, you know, and so I think it gives an opportunity for people to push back and distance themselves from that and um, to reject that direction for the country. And we are seeing more and more in the wake of that, we are seeing many more people being interested in this topic from the media and also responses that I get from those media appearances. Um, earlier this year, I was on a, a CNN program with John Avalon speaking about Christian nationalism. And the video um, got like a million views within three days and like wow. a ton of comments. And the vast majority of the comments, I didn't read all of them, <laughs> but and I, I was a little scared to look at them. But then when I read them, so many of them were, I'm a Christian, and this is how I feel too. And I'm so happy to hear this view being espoused in the public. And so I think if more and more of us, especially those of us who are Christian, are coming out and saying we are against Christian nationalism, that just helps build a community and, and, a, and a larger group of us who can push back, strengthen numbers in pushing back against Christian nationalism.
0: That's so helpful. Uh, this conversation, I think, will be, it'll be, it'll help equip people to join that number that you mentioned. And, you know, never neglect the the incremental change, never neglect the importance of that one-on-one conversation. And And again, even if it's not a light bulb moment for somebody that completely changes their trajectory, it's part of what can help move the needle toward a more just, equitable, and um, so- a society that has true religious liberty for all. Now, for maybe the fourth or fifth time, I'm going to mention ChristiansAgainstChristianNationalism.org. Are there any other uh, resources or any other work that you'd like to highlight for people? And also, how can we continue to keep up with the w- incredible work that Amanda Tyler is doing?
1: Yeah, well, thanks. So, um, yes, please go to ChristiansAgainstChristianNationalism.org. Also go to BJCOnline.org. That's the larger work of Baptist Joint Committee for Religious Liberty. And one of um, our, um, I think, best communication channels is a podcast that I co co-host called Respecting Religion, uh, where we look at matters of religion and the law. So we talk about Christian nationalism on the podcast, but we also talk about other issues of religious freedom, what's going on at the Supreme Court, which is um, impacting our our legal protections against Christian nationalism and all of these things. So I would ask people to subscribe to Respecting Religion and keep up with us that way. And you can follow me on Twitter at Amanda Tyler BJC.
0: Fantastic. Um, Can it, uh, you know, just giving an amen to the podcast. I listened to the latest episode. Y'all really get into it, but in an approachable way. So respecting religion, the podcast, and also follow Amanda and the BJC's work. Thank you so much for contributing to this, for speaking yet again about Christian nationalism. And uh, really, uh, once again, with so much gratitude for all your labor and effort in this area. Thank you.
1: Oh, thank you. And thanks for all the work you're putting out into the world, Jamar. So important. Thank you.
0: America.